Previously on Nerd Punches Nerd. Aronofsky would love to get his hands on like a scene, like the scene where where Neo wakes up in you yeah. know at, yeah. in the real world, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, and in you that, would see, you in would that see the things tearing his flesh as they like, like, it would be the whole like, movie. Yeah, yeah, the whole movie would be like him trying to get out of the pod. In the pod. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Nerd Punches Nerd, the only podcast where a bunch of nerds pretend to physically fight over minor pop culture minutiae. I'm Jeremy, here with Benji and Sam, and let me just say, uh, happy anniversary, happy, happy anniversary. anniversary. Happy nerd year. Yeah. Oh, what a pun, a pun to remember. That's nice. Right. Happy, happy nerd year. Happy nerd year, uh, Benji and Sam. Indeed. Happy nerd year to you. That's right, it has been an entire year since our very first podcast released. <laughs> because we did have a couple test podcasts just to try it out. And, uh, Shh, don't tell anyone about that. They're well, mysteriously lost in a fire. <laughs> like, especially the Lost Podcast? Is well, that the, well, the, the Lost Podcast was number two, actually. The Lost Podcast is That's why we, we don't have a podcast number two. We had a... <laughs> Yeah, well, you go straight from one to three, because we lost the second one. Yeah, we really did lose that one, unfortunately. But, it, technically, I, I have the some of the audio, but it's it's useless. Anyway, <laughs> today's topic is going to be basically like last year's topic, which is going to be nerdiest movies of the year, that being 2013. But before we do that, I'd say, let's go around the room and... We're going to pick our nerdiest movie of 2014. <laughs> That's right. Before it has actually come out. We have a nice list of all the planned releases for 2014. And so that way, we've each gotten a chance to peruse the list and make a decision for ourselves. Um, is it So should we be saying the nerdiest one or what we think are the best nerdy movies of 2014? There should be a uh, distinction. Not the best. Nerdiest. Like nerdiest. last year, remember, we did the same thing. Okay. Where we okay. called The Hobbit the nerdiest movie of 2012, not necessarily the best. In fact, I would definitely say it wasn't the best of the nerdy films. Because I like The Avengers more. Just for example. But, okay. each of us has come up with at least one. And to go around the room, I say, let's pick. Okay. I'd like to pick. Who has the longest first name to who has the shortest first name? Okay, so right. I, I, I'm the first, I guess, right? Because my yes. name is, is Benja Ferdstein. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I, I that. um, most, most people don't know that. Yeah, yeah. I keep it quite hidden. I don't want people to know my Jewish identity. So I uh, think <laughs> that means that I would be number two, and that Sam yes. Yes. would be... New no, are we, we're not. Samuel is your full name, not Samuel. My my full name is Samuel, but I'm still the shortest. <laughs> well, then aren't I? Are you right, sure so, the Yeah. So Benj, go ahead. Okay. Um. So we're just picking one. Yeah. What is your? What is? Say, what do you X-Men. think? X-Men. Oh. So X Men: Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why do you think that's going to be the nerdiest of 2014? Um, it's because it's the one that I want to see the most. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a, I, it comic book. It's been, it's, it's got sort of this interesting. 
it's just a, it's, I mean, it's a comic book film. It's been reinvented in a number of different veins. There's some good, um, I don't want to say fan service, but, but some cool, I guess, sort of fan servicey stuff with, uh, with the fact they're going to have Patrick Stewart and they're also going to have James McAvoy and just all that stuff going on. They're, they're trying to, I think, sort of connect it to other X-Men that were before the horrible one, which I could be wrong about. I think they'll probably have some fan service in there. Yeah. But I guess it, we're not quite sure how much at this point. Yeah. Oh, and they've done such an excellent job. Here's the other part about it. They, they've done that really cool ad campaign. They started with Trask Enterprises, like like that, that fake website. Oh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. For Trask Enterprises, and it had Peter Dinklage as Dr. Trask, you know. Right, right. Okay. All right, well, that's a good choice. All right. So, I'm Jeremy, and my number one nerdiest movie of 2014 is not The Hobbit Part 3. But it's it's instead it's called Knights of Badassdom. Knights of Badassdom is about three best friends, one of whom is played by Peter Dinklage, who you just mentioned, who are three LARPers, the live action role players, and they basically get involved with the succubus, who is played by Summer Glau. And I'm not sure how you can get any nerdier than that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. In fact, you you stole my answers. I was actually going to say exactly the same thing that um, you know, not not I was not going to pick the Hobbit. I was going to pick Knights of Badassdom. So oh, sorry. Um, right. Instead, my, hello, my name is Sam, and I will choose as the nerdiest movie of 2014 uh, a Dark Horse candidate, Guardians of the Galaxy. I was thinking about that, but I said nice, nice. I I considered some of the others that you mentioned, uh, you know, X Men. I considered and Spider Man, but those are pretty mainstream, and they're not really even so nerdy anymore. Ninja Turtles, you know, Captain is also coming America, out, but that's Spider-Man, you know, yeah. But there's there's a lot of movies. Even X Men really. But but Guardians of the Galaxy, that's that's obscure. That's like you know, Marvel's reaching deep into their uh, you know into their roster to come up with this movie that it's it's got like a space raccoon and you a know space tree. A space tree and like that's, you know with the voice of Vin Diesel and, that's he, right. and he only says I am Groot in various different ways. Really? Well and I that, actually I don't even know that much about it, so I can't even verify whether that's, that's true. That's all he or not. says. Everything he says is I am Groot, but he might say it like angry or sad or happy and it's played by Vin Diesel. And the but, raccoon is played uh, by Bradley Cooper. The raccoon and is played by Bradley Cooper, apparently. He is, uh, um, his main power, anyway. other than being able to talk, is that he has really, really big guns. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that's so that's that's my dark horse <laughs> candidate for uh, potential nerdiest movie of, of 2014. I think I mean, we had a pretty good selection right there. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of like, there's a lot of kind of things you could fall into it. I mean, obviously you got the big ones like Captain America, Spider Man, Godzilla, you know, Hobbit. Obviously, those are all gonna. My my gonna super well. super secret dark horse candidate was actually going to be the Giver. Um, Giver? Yes. I didn't see that. The I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, no, uh, I know. Oh, Newberry Award winning book that we all read as children. Oh, but, that's uh, that's a really good book. Yeah, but that's that's I I I call it nerdy just because it's got like a lot of nostalgic value for people our age. Yeah, uh, and it it actually yeah. kind of um I think it's an early example of the kind of um you know YA fiction that you see nowadays because it was like a YA book that was about this sort of like you know future society that was repressive, it was kind of a dystopia, um you know that 
that that's like every YA book is like that now. But uh, but The Giver was an early example, so so kind of, kind of nerdy in that way. Right. All right. Well, so if you had picked Knights of Bad Aston before I did, Sam, yeah. what I would have done is pick Noah, the new Darren Aronofsky film that's a adaptation of a biblical story of Noah. Yeah, I I thought about picking that one too, but I don't I don't consider. I mean, it's nerdy for. I guess for like Bible nerds and religion nerds. <laughs> well, there you go. And Aronofsky fans. <laughs> yeah, and Aronofsky and Aronofsky fans. nerds. So that's me. Yeah. And yeah. Me. <laughs> exactly. All right. So let's get started. I have sent you guys a list of the movies released in theaters in 2013. And basically, I want to just go through them. We can skip anything that none of us have heard of or seen. But anything that someone's actually seen, we'll bring up. Okay. Okay. Or at least you know about. Okay. So do you have the list? I'm looking at it right now. All right. So let's get started. I have to say, of the four movies that were released on January 4th, I have never heard of three of them. Oh, you actually know of any of them? Well, one of them is Texas Chainsaw 3D. So that I've heard of. I think we can discount that immediately because of how terrible it is. And let's move on to Gangster Squad, a movie that was pushed back because it was supposed to be released pretty soon after The Dark Knight Rises came out. But because of the shooting, they decided they needed to reshoot it to become less violent because apparently there was a scene in the original cut that involved a bunch of people getting shot in a movie theater. Oh, so I haven't seen the movie, but even though it has Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling reuniting, apparently it's not good. Is I, that the it, one with, with Sean Penn? Where Sean Penn plays this Jewish gangster? That's right, that's right. I remember, yeah, I remember seeing commercials for it. Yeah, so I think we can move on from there. Okay. Now right. here's something that you could theoretically say is maybe is nerdy. It was called The Last Stand. And what what Arnold... month are you in again? We're still in January. Okay. It was called The Last Stand, and it starred Arnold Schwarzenegger and Johnny Knoxville. And it was basically about him being a small-town sheriff in New Mexico, and near the border, and basically having to defend against a bunch of, I guess, terrorists or drug cartel types. Anyway, so it's interesting because, you know, there's a little bit of that nostalgia factor there with Schwarzenegger. I mean, the movie was was okay, I guess. It was pretty forgettable. In the end, it wasn't as good as a lot of other, you know, Schwarzenegger-type stuff. You know, especially some of his cheesy things, which is what it was. It was a cheesy movie. And there were some kind of fun moments. But I feel like, unless you're, like, a real diehard Schwarzenegger fan, I don't think you're going to be, like, interested in that. So, I think we can say that as of January 18th, that was the nerdiest movie of the year, but I think it will quickly be dethroned. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's move on to Hansel and Gretel. Uh. And, you know, if this was based off of something, like, really nerdy, I think you could almost call it that. But considering, well, you know, it isn't, I think we're going to have to discount it's, that one as well. I think it's nerdier than uh, the Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah, yeah I guess because you're saying cause yeah, it's a, it has uh, to be. A, 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 like, not a nursery tale, a, a fable or... Yeah. Whatever. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the and they, they tried tale. to, you know, make it action-y and whatever. Or they, they did. 
it just looked really dumb, like something I didn't want to see at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not, not that I have an opinion about it or anything. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, and Jeremy, Jeremy Renner is really is really good, so I, I give okay. it that. So. Be, before we move on to the next week, because um, I assume we're going to skip the rest of the movies this week. Oh, no, um, no, no. There's, there's at least one I want to bring up. Okay. Which one is it? John dies at the end. Ah, good. That's the one I wanted you to bring up. Excellent. So let's talk about that. I'm already going to say nerdiest so far, because the movie is kind of it, does, it plays around with narrative structure. It has some very weird sci-fi and horror moments. It's kind of a funny movie in a lot of ways. It tries to mess with your head in a sort of psychedelic kind of way. And so, go on. yes. So, so I haven't seen the movie, but I read the book that the movie oh, right, was adapted right. from. Um, it was written by uh, one of the authors uh, for Crack.com, actually. That's right. That's right. Um, and it is, at least the book, I can say, it's it's weird, it's funny, it's kind of demented. It's like this kind of horror-comedy combination that um, really I can't really even think of anything to compare it to um, in terms of style because it's also just, just kind of insane, and the characters are just so, like, erratic, um, but in a good way. What's the, um, plot? What's the plot of it? No. <laughs> what is the Go plot? Go ahead, Sam. The plot is <laughs> that these things are coming from this other universe and, like, infecting people and, like, killing them. And, and um, uh, the, main, the main characters have to stop it from happening or something. That's, that's about as much as I can tell you in a coherent way because the rest of it is just, like... A, you know, complete gibberish and, and nuts. Uh, There's a superhero dog in it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, I forgot about the superhero dog. Listen, if you like the book, I would suggest watching the movie. I it might still be available on Netflix. I don't know if they cut it. They might have cut it in the streaming cut of 2013. Yeah. Yeah. At least it was available for streaming at one point. I, I would watch the movie. It's a it's I mean, the book. At least it's a crazy book. The characters are fun because they they just like they don't just behave conventionally like they act in weird ways which are interesting. Yeah, not just um, genre savvy, but like you know like counterintuitive at times. They like, they behave intentionally. Like yeah, like they're counterintuitive, but they're 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 always proactive. They're never reactive. Like mm-hmm. they're always trying to just take charge of the situation. Like no matter how crazy it is, even if they have to do something even crazier, just like so they can be the ones acting instead of reacting. Um, which is a fun way, you know, to go through uh, a narrative, because because it ends up being like very sort of like high energy and and just uh, unpredictable. And it's the book, at least I can say, is very cool. I assume the movie is similar to the book. Oh, totally, totally, totally. All right, well, let's, let's, I think we can easily put that as nerdiest. So okay, okay. And um, is it, is it like crazy absurdist, like the Eric Andre show, Jeremy, or is it just like it just... actually isn't? It's a different kind of absurdism. Okay. Because that's more like an awkward absurdism, you know, trying to make people uncomfortable. This mm-hmm. one is just kind of, it's weird. But it's good, it's good. Well, you've piqued my interest, gentlemen. All right. Interest equals piqued. So let's move on to another possible candidate. It was called Warm Bodies. And this was sort of like a Twilight kind of ripoff, intentionally so. It's about, it's a love story between a zombie and a girl who's not a zombie. Mm-hmm. So if you, th- you think it sounds satirical, it is. Okay. It's not amazing, and it didn't do that well. But that said, it's kind of interesting in that it's trying to t- you know, do a take on the whole supernatural love story thing in a kind of ridiculous way. And I have to admire that, at least 
from the you know the perspective of giving it a little bit of respect, if you know what I mean. Right. But I think well, we can probably ignore it otherwise. What about- I think I think we should probably dismiss it because it's it's clearly marketed at that like teen or tween audience. Yeah, even um, with which the is not like aspect. any and any movie that's like marketed towards towards that demographic, I would say is is probably not going to be very nerdy. Yeah, sometimes it is, but but generally, people teens like uh, more like anime, you know, would be marketed towards that group. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Koch is actually the, the nerdiest uh, movie so far because <laughs> 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 I, I used to watch a little bit of the People's Court. You know, if I may say so. He always, he always had some, some sage wisdom to impart. All right. Uh, Sam, do you want to just uh, disavow that movie entirely? I, I have no interest in discussing that movie. <laughs> uh, you're overruled, Bench. You're overruled. <laughs> okay, let's, let's move on to one of the worst movies of 2013. It was called Identity Thief. And a lot of times, listen, I've heard a good explanation of how do you call what do you, you know, what do you say is the worst movies are the ones that you don't necessarily expect will be bad like for example that movie that we skipped movie 43 everyone knew it was going to suck but identity thief has Melissa McCarthy and Jason Bateman in it and the director did horrible bosses which was a pretty decent movie so you won't necessarily think oh this is going to suck but it did. It was quite unpleasant. So I say let's move but on. But is it is it nerdy at all? No. Okay, so <laughs> now let's I think move we can, on. We can move on then. To one of the other worst movies of the year. That's right. Die Hard Five. Uh, ah. Awful. Just those so words is Yippie Kaye Mother Russia. It was oh, called yeah. a good Shut day up. to die hard. Shut <laughs> up. Oh my god. It was um <laughs> It's. It, I think it, we can pretty safely say it's the worst of the Die Hard movies. Oh, no question. I mean, I'd say two is after that because it has some dull places. I like four for what it is. Three four. is pretty good. It's pretty just. A, it's a good movie. Yeah. And Die Hard is obviously the first one is still the best, but I like three a lot. And one of the worst running jokes, if you will. I mean, it's like. It's like hurts a little bit to call it that is that so Bruce Willis, the plot of it is stupid, but he basically goes to Russia because he thinks his son is in trouble. That's what we find out from the beginning. And he goes to try to rescue his son. And he keeps saying this phrase, ah, I'm on vacation. Basically, every time something <laughs> That's right. adverse happens, it's like, what do you mean you're, on, you're, you're, you're not on vacation? It didn't down. make any sense. Ugh, I hated it. I ugh, so bad. It was boring. It was stupid. Well, uh, blah. All right. Okay. Not so nerdy at all. Let's move on now. Unless you guys have uh, anything against it, I want to skip all the way down to Jack the Giant Slayer. Wait, wait, wait. So first of all, you're going to skip Saving Lincoln. Yes. And then you're going to escape from planet Earth. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> I'm wrong for it. What else? Where are we going down to? March 1st. March Jack 1st. Jack the Giant Slayer. Jack, well, Jack the Giant Slayer we should definitely discuss. Now, it's interesting because Jack the Giant Slayer, it is one of those classic, wait, this movie bombed? It made so much money. Oh, because it cost that much money. 
How much money? Well, give us the numbers. Or are we? Oh. Are, should we play prices right again? <laughs> no, no, no. Price is that damn right. <laughs> oh what? Oh come on, Benj. <laughs> um, Jack the Giant Slayer uh, is one of these weird things. Like I was originally called Jack the Giant Killer, and then they thought, oh, that's too, uh, that's too scary. It was directed by Brian Singer who is not necessarily a bad director, but considering he also no, not at Superman all. Returns, he doesn't have 100%. Also, you know, it's, well, there's a lot of problems. Anyway, the budget was probably about $200 million or so, and the box office was only $197 million. Now, I say only $197, like, oh, pff, whatever, man. $197, that's quite a lot. And it is a lot. But yeah, I'm talking. But this is a budget of two hundred million. That's that is quite expensive. Yeah, it only made sixty-seven domestically, and yeah, considering it didn't even make back its budget completely, that's pretty bad. Even internationally, yeah. yeah. Right, so that's, why was the movie not good? Jeremy, you talked about it. But why was the movie not good? Well, there are, there are a lot of problems. Part of it is that you know, plenty of people saw it, but it's very forgettable. You're not going to get anyone to see it twice. That's for sure. And it's so it looks just like everything else. So unless you really wanted to see a movie that weekend, I feel like no one was going to make it their business to go see that movie. Sure, if people were just looking for something to do, they'd probably see it, which is probably where most of the money came from. But it has the same kind of generic fantasy CGI look. I mean, Jack the Giant Slayer isn't exactly, it's not a well-known myth nowadays. People might hear Jack and the Beanstalk and know what that means instantly, but saying Jack the Giant Slayer takes a little too much effort. It's kind of right, funny. Right, right. And there were a lot of issues with it from what it was. It just sort of became a sort of generic CGI fest near the end. And I had a lot of issues with the way they did the characters because they did some interesting things with the characters and then it just became like a very boring action movie after that. So although there's an aspect of it which is kind of nerdy in that it's dealing with like the fairy tale thing, I think we can still say that John dies at the end, which is nerdy, and good nerdy still beats it out. Okay, so I think we can move on, though. But the next one is actually kind of an interesting idea, which is called Oz the Great and Powerful, which, of course, a adaptation, a prequel, if you will, to Wizard of Oz, the movie, and sort of also the books, although, eh. What, so, what, uh, what uh, month is this under? Oh, we're, we're on March, March, March 8th. Just, yeah, moving ahead. So so here's the thing about Oz the Great and Terrible. Go on. There are, like, literally dozens of Oz books dozens. that True. that were written by, by L. Frank Baum, if I'm getting his name right. You are. Um, and possibly even more written by other people after he died. Not I'm possibly. Not sure they about were. that. They weren't right? as good, but they did keep going. But Oz the Great and Powerful is not based on any of those books. And no, in my fact, mind, the story of the wizard is is different because he right. actually wrote that. Right. So, so in my mind, that makes it less nerdy because it's not based on a pre-existing, you know, um, nerdy source material. But you know, it's just a, a completely uh, original work. Well, I think it's more of an adaptation of the Wizard of Oz movie than the books at all. Mm -hmm. I think that yeah, you can clearly see a lot of. What you know, the sort of the the love for the original book by Sam Raimi, in a sense, but not really so much any of the other books. 
I think definitely, definitely the movie for sure. Considering how they make you know the the witch look, you know, with Mila Kunis and everything, just like yeah. the visual look is obviously supposed to be reminiscent of the movie. I don't think there's a well, question about. That. Okay, so here's a question: What's nerdier? Okay, is it nerdier to be um to be into like L. Frank Baum or into the books? Or to be into the uh, original movie because it has a lot of distance from it, and you could perhaps be nerdy about that. I think you could be think? nerdy about movies too, but consider. But, but between those two, well, books in general, as a rule, books are nerdier than movies. Right. More people watch movies than than read books. True, but I think. And um, also case, that book, also yeah. in that in this case that movie, because it's a because it's like considered a classic movie. You know, it's it's very very sort of mainstream. Everybody's seen it. Yeah, that's you know, everybody what I was thinking. knows it. Like, it's not it's not particularly that nerdy. I wouldn't the movie. I wouldn't say is nerdy at all, really. But reading the book is nerdy. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Right, I'll agree. I'll agree. Okay. So moving from one James Franco performance to another James Franco performance, let's talk about Spring Breakers. Spring Break, forever, <laughs> y'all. Uh, now, <laughs> Sam, you haven't seen this one, right? No, I have not. Although it's been recommended to me, and I probably would like to see it at some point. Sam, you, you'll you'll be happy with some of my sort of feministic rantings on it. Oh, um, really? <laughs> about it. Um, I well, first we're going to talk about the nerdiness of it. Like, like it has I guess a little bit to it. I mean, it was kind of an experimental film. Um, if someone, uh, it was made by the same guy who made Kids years ago, right? That's right. Harmony right, Parade. which, 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 yeah, which makes sense. I mean, you know, he's he's really good at depicting really like kind of horrifying re- and kind of realistic looking things. And the great thing about kids as movies, I remember in college when everyone would uh, like when you talk to anyone about kids, it's like freshman year of college. Everyone would say, "Oh, kids! Oh, that's a fucked up movie." That's what people would say automatically about kids. And Spring Breakers was it was not as crazy, uh, I'd say, as kids, but no. it did have it did have that sort of wildness to it. But anyway. My my whole thing about it is um I think there were some really good things about it and James Franco was awesome in it. Amazing. But but yeah, yeah, he was amazing in it. But um the way it was stylizing was just I felt like it was very clearly written by a guy. I mean, there's 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 a lot of like sexual like fantasizing in terms of like how like girls would behave in this circumstance and things like that. It was very very and I think that's fine that's part of his style. But um um even if even if Spring Break does have that sort of environment to it to degree, I think it was specifically like like he really, really highly stylized, uh, highly stylized in a way that was very obvious that it was a guy making it. I didn't find it like offensive in that way, but um, it, yeah. but I I, I did if find you, it very obvious that it, that it, that it was a product of a, of a guy's fantasies. Well, if you, you look know I mean? at the screenplay, yeah. I think it's clear even more so that you're right about that. But uh-huh. I still really like a lot of how the movie goes into especially how it ends i really like that mm-hmm. and i don't want to you know spoil it i just really enjoyed the ending i thought it really fit uh-huh. it made a lot yeah, of sense to me it was, it was it, you remember your time at the end we didn't really know what was what was going how everything was going to pan out no which you i think know. a strength for it yeah but the no, ending a... the resolution it did feel satisfactory you're like i get it i like that you know and in sort of sense you sort of feel like maybe if you had done it differently it wouldn't have been as good Okay, that's but I think enough. we agree it's not as nerdy. Now let's move on to so, something. So, so just to be clear, the um, yeah, John dies at the end is still the reigning uh, nerdiest so movie far, so far so of the year. Far. All right, cool, very good. All right, so the next one is kind of interesting. 
That's right. WWE Films present Halle Berry in the boring <laughs> movie The Call. Wait, that was WWE Films? You know, I watched that movie, and I was waiting the whole time for any cameo. Like, any. Uh, nothing. Are you serious? Not even The Undertaker? I couldn't believe it. It was, it was like Triple shot. H. I would think Triple H would definitely be in there. No, it would be Hulk Hogan probably would do it. There were a lot of cops in it, so I thought that maybe you would have like just one of them in the background, you know, not say anything, but just be, I don't know, Horton Schnoggle or something. Or just, or, or, or just in the background, Undertaker choke slamming people, just you know, <laughs> for fun, going around the the cops' office, just choke slamming Wait, everyone. Well, so, the, so this was a movie that had absolutely nothing to do with wrestling at all, it, and had no right. no wrestlers in it. There was no like it wasn't an action movie, but it was made by WWE Films. There was some, some mild action in it, I guess. But it wow. started, um, Halle Berry is a nine one one operator in it, and I thought maybe oh, aren't you going to have someone answer the phone and say oh, someone's being choke slammed here? <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing, no choke slamming. Yeah. Well, they probably put this. This is probably in the same. Uh, in the this is probably in the same bin as the as idea bin as the XFL. It's just like in, in the same crumpled up piece of paper in in a bin next to uh, the crumpled piece of paper of the XFL. This movie. <laughs> that was a weird way of setting up the joke, but uh... it's not quite that bad. All right, let's move on to what would have been the worst Die Hard movie of the year if there wasn't already a worse Die Hard movie. Olympus has fallen. <laughs> Stay tuned for part two of the podcast.